Hey, Ethan. Today, I want to talk about how woke Spider-Man 2 is. I, uh, Sarah, I hate this. (laughs) Great. Well, you're here. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I hate, I hate the dialogue around this game, like, so much. And I agree that we should talk about it, because it's an interesting thing to talk about. But it is just like the state of modern media discourse is so fucking grim. And I feel like this game that I really enjoyed has been such a weird, like, lightning rod of, like, all of the worst parts of modern discussion around, you know, video games and such. Yeah, uh, imagine my surprise when me enjoying the game decided I wanted to look up other people talking about the game because, yeah, I, I assume I assume people would be enjoying the game. I don't know. And then just just these surprise topics jumping out of the wilderness of Reddit about how woke Spider-Man 2 is. And I, I kind of was surprised. I don't know why. It's it's like a terrible, perfect storm of all of the things that the alt-right it has been spending the last few years, like, clamoring about, right? It's, it's a video game, and any kind of discussion around video games um, has been slowly getting more and more, like, off-kilter since the Gamergate stuff happened. Oh, yeah. And it's also based on a comic and <laughs> i hate that everything since watergate has to be a gate but comics gate is also a thing um if you're not like plugged into the comic book scene you might not know that it's not as like well publicized of a thing as gamergate was but yes comicgate is also a thing and it's also stupid garbage uh and it's not just based on a comic, it's based on a Marvel comic. And obviously, like, with the MCU's prominence over the last, you know, decade and a half or whatever, mm-hmm. like That's Marvel comics, yeah, Marvel comics are, are particularly... Woke. Uh, <clears throat> right, exactly. And it's not just any Marvel comic, it's Spider-Man. And specifically, it's got both Peter and Miles, and Miles is pretty controversial among certain comic fans. Um, I will let you guess why. Is it because... I was going to make a dumb joke. It's because he's black. <laughs> uh-huh. which, Puerto Rican, which, you know. <laughs> right. There's two things, oh no. Yeah. Two things that are not white. Um, You... You really summed it up with the whole modern discord around the whole modern discourse around uh, media and the inability to discuss and critically think. And it's just a hot mess. Um, Just trying to get logic out of people. Yeah, the (laughs) it's 
It's so infuriating. Like, it... Video games in particular lately, I feel like, have, like, as of, like, this console generation in particular, I think, have really... Any kind of discussion about them has really just spiraled into insanity. If you look at discussions around, like, The Last of Us Part 2, or, like, Horizon Forbidden West, or now Spider-Man 2, there's so much so much noise around like the appearance of female characters in those games Mm -hmm. just like brain meltingly bad yeah even one of my coworkers at the time when the last of us 2 had come out he made a comment about abby's build and her frame and how he just thought that was so unusual for women, and this was a a, a grown man, relatively well-adjusted person, and like I think something about it caused like dissonance for him. Meanwhile, I mean, I'm married to a woman that has a strong build and lifts weights and has muscles, and it's just it's something that comes naturally for some women. What do you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't like people is kind of what I've landed on as my general response to all of this stuff. It's just, I just don't like them and I don't want their opinions because they're usually bad. That's true. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Unfortunately, that is probably like the, the worst response we can have, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, what we see online is probably the loudest of the most annoying people. And then the people actually enjoying the games are just, you know, enjoying the games and aren't plugged into social media all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So one thing that I feel like we need to just get out on, on the table at the top of any discussion about, like woke culture as it applies to media i mean first of all i think we both agree that like while the term woke had an original like meaning um before it was co-opted by like alt-right spaces Mm -hmm. at this point the the phrase as it's used by the people that we are discussing is meaningless Right, like, yeah, it's anything that the uh, person making the criticism doesn't like or agree with, essentially. Yeah, that was a talking point I wanted to bring up because I think it's very important, and you're you're already on it. Um, the original use and meaning of woke was, you know, from the black communities and minorities identifying and understanding inequalities and being aware of those and woke to them. Like, I, I, phrases like, wake up, wake up, sheeple. It's like the opposite of that. It's like, yeah, I am awake. I see these. Right. And then it, it kind of had this rise in popularity among all people who wanted to join in on that and, you know, agree. 
it, it's kind of like the phrase say it louder for the people in the back but it's it's just like a an agreement like woke yeah right on we get it and then the all right got to it <laughs> <laughs> and it just as you said it has become it is a meaningless uh dog whistle i think yeah absolutely so i think the the argument that so if if the people if the kind of person that we're discussing were pressed to give some form of definition they would probably say something to the effect of it's it's when media has like a political aspect the the unspoken part is a political aspect aspect that i personally don't agree with um but they will say a political aspect that like doesn't contribute to the story and is there just to be a political aspect right um so here's the thing that we need to establish at the very top of the episode if we're discussing this topic every story every video game every comic book every movie every tv show you've ever watched book you've ever read those are all political you cannot tell a story in a apolitical way because you as the creator are crafting that story based on your own beliefs every fucking story is political and all these fucking people who are complaining that comics are woke now and there's all these politics in my comics <laughs> like you don't think fucking captain america in the 40s was making a political statement <laughs> idiot like you don't think fucking superman a story about an immigrant created by two Jewish men had anything fucking political to say back in Action Comics number one? Every story is political and always has been. And there's not a way to make a not political story. And if you don't understand that, you don't fucking understand how stories work. You don't understand media and how to consume it. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> Here with the jump. <laughs> Because it drives me goddamn crazy. <laughs> yeah, well said. It, and it may not even be intentional by certain creators, but those biases yeah. come through. And a lot of the a lot of the conflicts we see in stories do stem from uh, political and social issues, whether that is obvious or not. Right. Yeah. If a story has conflict, then it's delineating between good and bad ways to behave, which is like. <laughs> A political statement. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is that the way people use the word woke when they're referring to something they don't like in media, it's usually things that, in my opinion, should not even be political, right? And I'm not just talking about there's a black Spider-Man, because I know that's always going to be a problem, <laughs> regrettably, <laughs> sadly. It's this idea that the inclusion of someone with a disability is woke. Mm -hmm. That is saying that because you are disabled, you do not deserve to be included. Right. And that that shouldn't be political. Like disabilities affect everyone. <laughs> and yes. And sometimes for like no reason, it just happens. That's life. Right. Yeah. A lot of people are born with a disability or they, you know, contract like a disease that leads to uh like frequent pain or something like that like there's just yeah just it's, shit just happens and it has nothing to do with 
the person that it happens to. Yeah. So when when I see people talking about Haley in Spider-Man 2, a young black girl who is deaf, not just harping on the fact that she's black, but honing in on the fact that she's deaf as being woke or politically correct. And I'm like, no, these people just exist. Right. That's ju- They just exist and they're allowed to exist and they're allowed to have interesting roles in a game or a story and they're allowed right. to be empowered. It's it's fantasy. It's media. Like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we both come from like tabletop game backgrounds as well. And that was a huge lightning rod for controversy like a couple of years ago at this point. I think it's died down a bit now, but the idea of representing disability in the tabletop space and you know, a lot of shitheads being like, well, you would just use magic to fix it, so there shouldn't be any disabled people in tabletop games or whatever, which just erases the experience of tons of disabled people who would not change their disability if even if they had the option because they view it as a part of who they are or just people who want to be able to play a character that reflects themselves. Right. There's a really great uh, arc in a recent run of the comic book New Mutants. Uh, There's a character named uh, Karma who, like many years ago in publication time, was uh, was severely injured and ended up losing a leg. And... Uh, For those not familiar with the status quo of the X-Men comics for the last few years, there's a thing in the more recent X-Men comics, it's coming to an end now, and they're kind of shaking up the status quo again. But the last few years, there was uh, what we would refer, what readers refer to as the Krakoa era, where mutants live on an island called Krakoa and have a sovereign mutant nation, and they are able to by combining the abilities of five very specific mutants, they're basically able to, like, reincarnate people. Like, so if someone dies, they can resurrect them, essentially. And at one point, Karma is killed, and when she's resurrected, the mutants in charge of her resurrection note that she specifically left instructions that if she were to die and be resurrected do not do not resurrect her in a body with the leg returned like leave her with only one leg um because she'd come to view the loss of her leg as like an important part of herself and she learned to live using a prosthetic and all that stuff and so she just wanted to come back in her body as it was when she died, not, like, they could have, like, quote-unquote fixed it, but it was important to her as a character that they not. Interesting. And obviously, yeah, I mean, you know, like, there's obviously reasons that Marvel as a publisher would not want to undo, like, disability representation, Yeah, you know, from an outside-of-narrative standpoint. But it's also narratively justified by, like, the character's personality and the choices that they, you know, feel are appropriate to them. It's very... 
got a lot of positive attention when it came out because a lot of people with disabilities said like, hey, you know, this reflects my experience. Like, I would feel the same way. That's that really is um, oh, interesting. Like, I wouldn't necessarily have expected that. Yeah, it's Krakoa era X-Men's really good. <laughs> I'm sad that it's ending. And yet and yet we have people who just are so dismissive of really anyone else's lived experiences. And I suspect that a lot of those people come from homogenous or rural, rural uh, communities or, you know, just like smaller cities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Karma, for reference, is a Vietnamese lesbian character who's heavily implied to be a survivor of sexual assault. So these people would hate her even without the leg thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Woke. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they introduce this new character? Why is everyone gay ago? now? <laughs> yeah. 41 years ago, is that what you said? Yeah, she was she was introduced by Chris Claremont back in like the 70s. So <laughs> she's not she's not new. Uh, the the loss of the leg only happened like 20-ish years ago, maybe, but oh, she's, she's been around for a minute. Yeah. And see, a lot of people wouldn't know that. They'd probably just be like, oh, these new comic book characters, they just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> it's, the man, anytime people, anytime people complain about like, specifically X-Men, like turning woke or whatever, it's like, first of all, they're like a very obvious minority allegory, <laughs> like to begin with. Yeah. Like you can you can argue whether or not that allegory is effective, sure, but it's very clearly there and has been since pretty early. I wouldn't say from the beginning, because I don't think the very early like Ker- uh Lee Kirby stuff is actually doing much with that allegory, but um from very early on, certainly. Uh, but also, like, anybody who's read the Claremont run, which is the most, like, enduring and important X-Men run of all time, the man was on the book for, like, 16 full years. Um, basically, every, like, big X-Men character that you expect to turn up in, like, a media adaptation was either created by or, like, developed for a decade and a half by Chris Claremont. And that dude, like, every single character in his books is somewhere in, like, the LGBT spectrum. Like, all of his women basically are bi. Um, (laughs) Like, pretty much every single one, except for the ones who are, like, lesbians. Like, there's not a straight Claremont woman, really. I guess (laughs) Jean, maybe. (laughs) But, um, and, uh, of fair amount of his dudes are also like either by mostly by he doesn't have very many characters that are implied to be just like straight up gay but he has a lot of characters that are by <laughs> yeah why not yeah <laughs> and i think i think i say this without any statistics or evidence other than my own anecdotal experience but i think a lot of people there are a lot more people than we realize that are by. Oh yeah, for sure. That's just my two cents. What are what are some of the other 
<laughs> yeah, I got off on a rant about X Men, but none of the X, none of those guys are Spider Man. That's that's right, Spider Man. That's why we're here. Um, Spider Man did teach at the Xavier Academy for a little bit, though. <laughs> so the Xavier Institute. <laughs> well, what I learned from Spider Man Two is that Peter Parker is maybe not the best teacher showing up late and then just immediately diving into a lesson about water tension so they can show off how you can run on water anyway um <laughs> that was a surprisingly weak opening for an otherwise great game uh, <laughs> i digress mary jane presumably not by maybe she is i don't know but mary jane she's a woman woke <laughs> i mean just just like i was reading I was reading earlier today someone's complaints about Spider-Man being woke, you know, just so I had it fresh in mind since I haven't looked at it in a while. And one of them was like, you know, basically Mary Jane just disrespecting Peter by not wanting to move in with him so she can focus on her career. And then and then she gave uh, Harry a little kiss on the cheek and then gave Peter a little kiss on the cheek instead of on the lips. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, golly gee. Ooh. And she hasn't had any of his kids yet. Mm. Like, and he respects her. Yeah, it's bullshit. As a man, I feel threatened. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I just, like, I understand the complaints from the first game of not enjoying the Mary Jane segments because they were kind of slow and tedious and you couldn't really do anything. You just had to skulk around investigating stuff. And they fix that in this game, but kind of in, like, the opposite direction of she can take down a fucking military base with a taser. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, even I'm, like, too far. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's a video game. I can get past that. But just the yeah. fact that she has agency in and out of the gameplay upsets people. I'm like, what do you know? Women have goals outside of just being with someone. Well, I don't know about that, but... Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's just gross. Like, I don't know. And so, so much of the dialogue around her is people like insulting her looks and stuff also, which is also just gross. The model that they based her face on, like just the other day as of recording this, had to, like, issue a statement asking people to just leave her the fuck alone because people were calling her work and stuff about it, like... And leaving creepy messages mm -hmm. that made her feel instantly unsafe and uncomfortable. What do you know? <laughs> it's... It's a nightmare. Yeah, that's just... I mean, yeah, she stated that... She's not even really acting or modeling anymore, and she just does projects for fun, and she has, a, like, a normal day job, and just wants to be left alone. <laughs> like, that's so sad. Yeah. And almost like a, almost a, a counterpoint to the poor points that people make about woke. Because even now, it's 2024, what do you know, the whole new year, um, even in 2024, like, Women and minorities just can't catch a break. We have to keep explaining and teaching people, like, this is not okay to do those things. Mm -hmm. And and then they wonder why it's in their faces in media. Because you're dense. <laughs> yeah. I, and I don't, like, 
so I grew up I grew up in a really small town um and you know the vast majority of people that I went to school with and all that stuff were white like a small midwestern town super 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 white right and I had like a formative experience when I was like 10 or so where I heard some adult say some dumb shit that was like clearly as like it was clearly like racist but like dumb 10 year old me was like there aren't slurs in it and stuff so like I didn't immediately identify it as racist, right? Gotcha. And I said this dumb thing in like an internet forum and I got shredded alive. Oh, good. And yes. <laughs> and it was like, I'm so like thankful <laughs> that that happened to me because it was a moment where I read the very first reply and I and was like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> No, holy shit. Like, this was a dumb, dumb thing to say and think. I don't, it like flipped a switch in me, right? Of like, oh, like I have just not been examining what the people around me like say and think about like racial stuff. Um, and like, this was like a very clear eye opener of like, oh, I need to like think about these things. Like, yeah, I can't just like regurgitate the stuff that people around me are saying because like these people are right to like be mad that I said that. Like this was a stupid thing to say. Could I? I'm curious what that thing was. Oh, it was just uh, it was some it was somebody complaining about BET existing, and like that it would be people would be mad if there was like a a white entertainment television or something, and I. Oh. Said, like, some... I didn't say that directly, but I said something kind of similar. And, like, people were obviously like, that's fucking stupid. Also, it exists. It's called, like, Fox and CBS. Like, and ABC and, and NBC. <laughs> right, exactly. And it was just like a, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I, I get, like I'm, I'm glad it was that thing in particular, too, where it was, like, such a very clear pointing out to like young me that like as a white male like my experience is the cultural default yeah and i like that was like not something i was cognizant of and uh yes yeah, it was like oh yeah like no this was this was uh this was a dumb idea to hold and also like <laughs> it definitely gave me pause to be like wait, yeah, hold up. If, like, all these people on the internet understand that and having it pointed out to me has, like, made me instantly understand it, like, why did the adult in my life, like, why do they think that? <laughs> it's it's really clearly dumb if you examine it for five seconds. Uh, yeah, and that, the, I mean, this topic is about to broaden a bit, but that example is why there are people who don't want 
that education. They don't want people to leave their communities and learn about the world. They don't want their religious members to realize there's logic outside of the religion. And like once once you as a person isolated in your community gets out beyond that, whether it's on the internet or in like, I don't want to say the real world because the internet is the real world, <laughs> but you know, or it's in person, your, your worldview opens up so much and it changes. And that is scary to the people who want it to stay the same. Yes. Yeah. I have, uh, I, I have a family member that I am not in contact with anymore, uh, because of <laughs> shit like this. And like their wife, like one of the last interactions I had with them was like seeing a social media post they had made about how like they weren't going to send any of their children to college because colleges are like liberal brainwashing camps or whatever. And yeah, it's just like, no, colleges are places where you meet people who have had different life experiences than you and can learn about them and empathize with them. Like, that's why people, you know, they've gotten to actually fucking, like, meet the people that you are telling them are evil and see, oh, no, they're just people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just wanted to circle back to the the internet forum thing. And I also grew up in a small town. And I spent time on forums and I had my own forum actually that I started and had a nerd. I know I was a massive nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um and had like a, a close-knit group of of members and friends on there. But I was the odd one out. I was the one from this little community harping on the Bible and religion and God and like don't have sex or do drugs. I was just a little twelve year old who didn't know what was going on in the world. And these people maybe saved me from that community, right? Because they were from all around the world with different life experiences, and they didn't give a shit what they said. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they just—they were, yeah, they were outspoken, and they—they um, they made me think things. Oops. <laughs> uh, so you're saying that the internet turned you gay? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> No, maybe. Um, it it certainly helps <laughs> realize, but um, there was this this um, conversation I had that really stuck with me. It was at work in that small town because I I've like come and gone from that small town, but um, I was at work and there was this very opinionated older woman who you know had all the all the opposite political views than I did, and. I tried to explain to her, like, well, don't, like, what about these people in these cities that are affected by these policies? And her response was, I don't care about those people. All she could see was her little bubble. And it didn't matter that whatever political topic we were talking about was going to, like, significantly impact other people, but had no impact on her, right? Like, mm -hmm. and just the, I don't care about those people in other cities and countries, it's like, okay, why are we having this conversation then? Yeah, it's for a 
staggering amount of the population <laughs> people you don't know aren't people yeah like you you don't need to think about or care about or have any empathy for them cuz you don't know them and that's all that really matters so when we have a place like new york city which is incredibly diverse i think people don't realize like fully what they are experiencing in a game like spider-man spider-man 2 because to them it's i mean i'm i'm putting words in people's mouths and that's not what i mean but i suspect to them it's too much at once why are there people walking around with hijabs why are there like a, you know black people <laughs> right you know, why why um why is there rainbow flags right out there where you can see them <laughs> right <laughs> why are there rainbow flags why are there ukraine flags why you know and i i I think it's hard to fathom that, like, this is just a normal day in New York. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's also this weird... So, I mentioned earlier that one of the things that I think these people would point to as a defense is that there are political elements that don't contribute to the story. And so they're just there to be woke or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, there are accusations of, like, virtue signaling and stuff like that. And, like, don't get me wrong, uh, there are definitely instances in, like, the modern American corporate landscape where you can pretty clearly tell that some product or piece of media or what have you that a company has put out is only diverse or however you want to you know whatever the case may be to like check a box like the the company is doing it not out of any true like uh solidarity with you know the lgbt community or the black community or whatever it might be for the given product mm -hmm. but they are doing it to get positive press for it. it's like companies that uh you know, behind the scenes, donate tons of money to like right wing political figures, but they change their Twitter icon to a rainbow flag during Pride Month. Like that kind of stuff definitely happens, right? Oh, yeah. Um, like as much as I think it's a kind of gross and overused term, like virtue signaling is a thing that like corporations do sometimes. That being said, uh, the idea that things like the side mission with Haley in Spider-Man 2 are bad because they aren't directly impacting the overall narrative of the game, that shit's stupid. Uh, something I've complained about before, uh, I don't think on this podcast yet, but I'm about <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> is the criticism of Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, uh, specifically the criticism that the Canto Bite scenes are pointless and don't contribute to the narrative. Yeah, I think I think uh, we have talked about this on this podcast. It just didn't, we, it just didn't make it. Oh, we we <laughs> cut it out. Yeah. We might have. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I see where you're going. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating because like I I understand the argument that like. 
they don't ultimately achieve what they went to Canto Bite to achieve or whatever. And so therefore people are like, well, this was pointless then. The thing about those scenes is that is all about character development for Rose and Finn. And character development of two of your lead characters is not wasted time. And it is, it also provides world building for the setting, right? Because the ultimate payoff of those scenes basically is Finn seeing that arms dealers who are supplying ships and stuff for the resistance are also selling to the first order, right? Like it's, it's ultimately there to showcase kind of the politics of the galaxy at this stage, right? As well as to develop the relationship between Rose and Finn. Right. Obviously, the next movie squanders all of that. Uh, but <laughs> at any rate. Ray! <laughs> Ray, I have something to tell you. <laughs> Ray! Okay, anyway. Um... Uh, but my, my point being, something doesn't have to be like directly pushing the main narrative arc of the story forward to be an important and relevant piece of that media. The Haley side quest in Spider-Man 2 that has gotten a lot of criticism for existing, uh, like, no, it doesn't directly contribute to the story of, you know, Spider-Man and the symbiote and Harry and all that stuff. But it does characterize a character that, like, while... Haley isn't one of the main protagonists. She's an important supporting character for Miles. Yeah. So it is important that it's there. Also, it's a fucking side mission. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it, you goddamn babies. <laughs> and it's it's a video game. So when you have a movie or a TV series or even a book, like pacing and being succinct matters. You only have so much time to tell the story. In a video game, people can play at their their leisure and you can have a 20 hour game a 60 hour game a 300 hour game the fact that there is some extra content that maybe isn't super relevant to the main plot of symbiotes taking over new york good lord like yeah it's just i i found the Haley mission to be really good i really enjoyed it because i enjoy things like basically how things are made and the way they did the sound design mm-hmm with Haley's mission, where there's just the slightest hint of muffled sound and it's otherwise silent because she's deaf and her having to interact with the world and help someone else who, you know, is, is kind of struggling with their art. It's very human. And that is why we that is why we partake in stories and video games and movies is to either escape reality or connect with like you know humanity right exactly and it, it it's just such a it's such a strange complaint in general i feel for the specific media being consumed here like this is a these are characters peter and miles are characters whose whole deal is about like helping the people of their community and stuff. Uh, like yeah. the idea that 
anybody would criticize these games for being woke when it's it's the whole point like it's the entire point of them as narrative constructs is to like for lack of a better term or whatever to push this agenda right like that's why spider-man stories exist i think i've talked a little bit on this podcast before about superman and spider-man and like the no-kill rule idea and how these characters are meant to be these sort of ideals for readers to strive toward right that's you know links back to what i said at the beginning about like every story is political like these these characters are about making you want to contribute to your community in the way that they are and about portraying that kind of social uh i guess like social justice stuff you know like it's about portraying that in a positive light like these characters are heroes because they are doing this stuff and it's supposed to make you as the reader or watcher for the movies or gamer or whatever like feel like you should do that stuff too because it's the right thing to do the spider-man games are fun to play regardless of whether you care about spider-man or comics or you know Anything the games are based around. The gameplay is fun. But the characters are characters that have empathy for everyone. And so if you come into these games wanting to enjoy the gameplay, maybe just try to have an open mind about the story and not and not assume that it's just like wrong for being the way it is. Uh, because it's not, right? I think Insomniac knew what they were doing. Yeah. And I, I think based on what you've said, have pulled things together from the comics and the lore in a way that is satisfying and makes sense for them. Yeah, it's it's really... Something that I like about the insomniac portrayal of Peter in particular, obviously the big, you know, cliche thing that everyone knows when it comes to Spider-Man is Uncle Ben saying... With great power, there must also come great responsibility. Or, I actually really like the little twist they put on it in the MCU in Civil War, when Tony is having that first conversation with Peter, and uh, Peter says, "When you do, when you can do the kinds of things that I can do, and you don't do them, and people get hurt, they get hurt because of you." Uh, it's like a, I, I just like how inelegant that is comparatively. Like, it sounds like something a teenager would say, you know? Um, but that's neither here nor there. But that that core idea that if you have these extraordinary abilities, like, you should use them to help people. And if you don't, like, you are, you know, you are sort of indirectly part of the problem, Right. What I really like about Insomniac's Peter is that they approach that not only from the like Spider-Man side of things, but through 
in the first game, the like Harry's uh, Oscorp experiments and his uh, Peter's work with Dr. Octavius. And then in the second game through the Ability May Foundation, um, there's a real effort from Insomniac to show that Peter is trying to do that with his intellect as well. Like, it's not just the Spider-Man stuff and swinging around and beating up Rhino and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's also incredibly gifted in terms of intelligence and scientific acumen, and he's also trying to help people that way. Mm -hmm. And especially, like, at the end of the second game, with him kind of going into a temporary retirement to focus on that specifically... Um, that's been like a really big part of his arc, which I really appreciate. Um, and it's a much more, it's like a realistic, I guess, like <laughs> attainable for a person uh, in the real world. Like obviously only like 0.03% of people in real life get bitten by radioactive spiders and gain uh, spider powers. But like a, right. a somewhat higher percentage than that are like highly intelligent and could go into a field where they could like really affect change in a meaningful way mm-hmm. um, which um according to the internet is also whoa um <laughs> of course because because the the emily may foundation has a bunch of these and i loosely quote like liberal science projects uh it's woke which i find absurd that the idea of wanting to literally save the planet from climate change, from the bees no longer existing to pollinate, uh, which is bad for everyone, to curing chronic illnesses, uh, you know, to, to having clean energy, right? Like all of these things are things every single person on the planet should want. It's a no-brainer. Why is that woke? Well, see, the thing is, climate change and dead bees and all that, um, that's all fake. Those are all lies by the liberal media, and they're not real. And uh, we don't need to worry about preserving the planet or anything, because God will do all that. Yeah. I've, yeah, that's, that's been the argument. Yeah. We'll aware of that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just disheartening. Yeah. It's... It sucks. I... I just... It's... with With adaptations of comic book stuff in particular i feel like because a lot of these characters have been around for a very long time right like some dc characters have been around since like the 30s a lot of the marvel mainstays have been around since like the 60s and they've been adapted over and over and over into games and cartoons and films and all this stuff it feels like a lot of people have this feeling of expertise or ownership of a character that i often find really frustrating as and it's 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 a sort of tricky thing to put into words because i don't want to sound like i'm trying to gatekeep or anything like that but it's so annoying to see people criticize decision that for instance peter makes in a game as 
not being true to the source material or something. Um, when clearly, like, this person doesn't read comic books. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't know what they're talking about because, like, it's not out of character or untrue to the source material. This person just feels that they have the authority to make that call because they've seen a bunch of Spider-Man cartoons or whatever, right? This is a thing that happens a lot with, like, X-Men also. You know, people have seen the 90s cartoons, so they feel like they know how Cyclops is or whatever. But it's like, have you read a comic with Cyclops in it? No? Then maybe you shouldn't talk about this as though you were an expert. (laughs) Like, Yeah. That is something that drives me nuts in general, is when people who are casually acquainted with information um, speak as if they are an expert on whatever the topic is, and don't even disclose that maybe they could be wrong. Right. Uh, I I preface a lot of things with, if I recall correctly, uh, I may be wrong. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because there's so much I don't know, especially about comics. It is exactly what you said. When people try to be an authority or make an authoritative statement about something and they try to be definitive and say, this is the way it should be, and they did it wrong, and they're not an expert. Yeah. It's so it's so weird with comic media because there are so many adaptations and so many, like, what if stories where things play out a little bit differently and maybe a character's a little different than usual? Or, like I said, like these characters have been around for a long time and characterization changes, right? It shifts over time. And so you you have to sort of find like a median of a character, right? Like the character as a whole is this like gestalt of all of these different adaptations and versions under different writers and stuff. And so it can be really difficult to sort of pin down if something is out of character or not, but also like people who, so there's, there's like an old saying, right? That if you don't know anything about the civil war and someone asks you, what was the civil war about? You would say that it was about slavery. If you know a little bit more than the average person about the Civil War, and someone asks you what it was about, you might say states' rights. If you are actually educated about the Civil War and you know a lot about it, and someone asks you, you would say that it's about slavery. (laughs) Like, there's, there's this weird level of knowledge that someone can have where they can, they will point to something to say, see... I'm right because this thing says that I'm right and I can point to it. Okay, but if you <laughs> if you knew more about the thing you were talking about, you would have a greater context for that and see why you are still wrong. Um, the the example I always think of for that in comic books specifically is in Batman versus Superman. Batman like shoots a lot of people. Like he's he's just got guns on his car and he shoots a lot of people and there's a scene where he shoots a guy with just a regular gun. And it's like one of Batman's big things is that he doesn't use guns, right? Like that's a pretty classic Batman thing. And people who defend that movie who know a little bit about Batman 
will point to things like Batman's very first handful of appearances where his aversion to guns because of their use in his parents' death was not a character element yet, Mm. right? Like, these are just stories from before that time. So they'll point to that and say, well, see, he does use guns. And it's like, well, just because he used them in, like, three stories in the 40s and then was retconned (laughs) to not use guns anymore, like, doesn't justify this. People will also say, well, this Batman versus Superman interpretation of the character is based on The Dark Knight Returns, where he similarly, like, there is a scene where you don't actually see it on screen, or on panel, rather, but it's very heavily implied that he does shoot someone because he has no other choice. If he doesn't shoot this person, they are going to kill an innocent. Um, Even in that case, it's like, you're just pointing to that panel and you're not looking at the context around it. Mm. And also, you're ignoring, like, the very next issue where he's addressing a crowd of people and he holds up like a shotgun and screams, this is the weapon of the enemy and breaks it over his knee and throws it in the trash. (laughs) Like even that version of the character is a lot more anti-gun than what is depicted in Batman versus Superman. So like pointing to those things is not a good argument. And I I don't see that as much with these like Spider-Man games. But I did read a, th- a thread on Reddit, like somewhat recently, where someone was criticizing the fact that Peter is so like poorly off financially oh. because they're like he's got the uh, he's got the the hologram, like the hard light hologram training dummies in Miles Morales. Why isn't he selling those to get rich or whatever? And like they went as far as to say like. Can you imagine, like, how much money he could make selling them to, like, the American military for, like, use in training soldiers or whatever? And it's like, do you remember the character that you're talking about? Like, do you (laughs) think that he would be okay with that? Like, Uh. it's just not who Peter is as a person. And there's there's a great panel or a great page. I don't know what it's from. I think it's from an Avengers run. But it's um, it's Spider-Man and Iron Man having a conversation. And, uh, you know, people don't know Spider-Man's secret identity. Um, and so he says something about his roommate. And Iron Man is like, did you just say you have a roommate? And Spider-Man's like, yeah. And Iron Man's like, aren't you like a genius, though? Like, didn't you invent your web fluid and stuff? And Spider-Man is like, yeah. And Iron Man's like, then why are you not rich like me? I just assumed that you were, like, wealthy. Um, (laughs) And uh, Spider-Man is just like, I just don't really, like, I just don't really care about that stuff. Iron Man is like, what's money? You don't care about money? And Spider-Man's like, yeah, not really. And that's, like, spot on, right? Like, that's that's just who Peter is. Like, Peter needs enough to get by and not more than that. It helps make him relatable, right? Tony is cool because he is the billionaire playboy with the Iron Man suit. Peter is relatable because most people relate to 
financial struggles and trying to make ends meet and being overwhelmed and stressed out and having too many things going on, which is seemingly how Peter operates day to day. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, so much of his like personal conflict outside of punching supervillains is about the fact that he puts so much of his time and energy into Spider-Manning, but he doesn't really have time for like building his own career and like that kind of stuff. He didn't have a college degree for like a super long time. And then he only got one because Doc, Doc Ock swapped brains with him and Doc Ock got the degree. And then oh. when they swapped back, he lost his degree because he had to admit that he didn't actually get it himself. And it was a whole thing. But yeah, that's just like, that's that's a really integral part of his character is just, yeah, he he doesn't care about that stuff. It's not as important to him as the work that he's doing, right? I mean, that makes sense. Like, yeah, we can we can theorize all the ways Peter should have lots of money, but the fact is that's just the way his character is written, right? Right. And I mean, the, the superior Spider-Man, the Doc Ock, probably handled finances much better, <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, like, opened a wildly successful, like, laboratory that Peter also, like, ran for a little while after he came, after they swapped back and whatnot. It, it's almost like the writers understand this argument, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, they get it. So... I want to address the elephant in the room, the most obvious wokeness that there is. Why why does Spider-Man, as an IP, need a Miles Morales? Why does it need a black Spider-Man? Why does it need a Silk or a Spider-Woman or a lady being a Spider-Person? Why do we need Ironheart or Lady Thor? Like, Why do we need these versions of these characters why aren't we making new versions i've always found that a very interesting question and one that i don't really know a good response to because i understand the value of both things i think from a purely practical standpoint uh in terms of having representation the uh, in terms of having consistent representation in like the publishing sector right when you look at the stands at your comic shop seeing actual diversity among the characters you know like i've said a couple times in this episode a lot of these characters are bare minimum 50 years old mm -hmm. right some of them quite a bit older and it's just an unfortunate fact that in the 40s through early 70s or whatever i mean longer than that but i'll be generous <laughs> um people just weren't writing characters that weren't straight white men yep um and that sucks but like that's just how it is right you had Exceptions to that, obviously, like you had some female leading characters. You had Wonder Woman, Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel, and later Warbird and now Captain Marvel. And you had a few characters uh, that were 
people of color like uh you know john stewart in green lanterns and stuff like that black panther um but the vast majority of characters being created were straight white men and those are the characters that have been around a long time those are the characters whose books you can be relatively sure are going to sell every month right so introducing a legacy version of the character that you can still put spider-man on the front of the book and people will still buy it because it says spider-man on it Mm -hmm. that's a great way to guarantee that these characters that are not straight white men actually get to keep being written about because their books are going to keep selling right that that kind of was my thought you can have a miles morales who is you know, maybe he has entirely different superpowers. Maybe he has Spider-Man-like superpowers, but he's, like, web man, you know? Like, something right. something entirely different, a little more creative than that. But you have this instant recognizability, this instant selling power when you tie it into the existing IPs. And, I mean, now we have the whole, the whole Spider-Verse and, you know, multiple universes with, like, an infinite number of versions of these characters or their... Um, you know, they're, I don't want to say alter egos, like they're Miles, they're Gwen, they're whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, now it it feels like it doesn't, it's no big deal. Like, come on, it could be anyone. Like uh, like Stanley said in Into the Spider-Verse, it always fits. You know, anyone can be behind that Spider-Man mask is kind of the point. Yes, exactly. And I think that's, I think that's the best way to look at it from a not, like, purely mercenary like what is going to keep making money (laughs) point of view i I think specifically with miles i mean the background of that character's creation was that uh at the time marvel was publishing not only their main line of comics the comics that you generally think of when you think marvel comics what uh, comic book nerds would call Earth 616 the main Marvel universe. They were publishing that line of comics. They were also publishing the Ultimate line of comics, which was a separate continuity mm. that ha- was essentially started with the idea that, hey, a lot of our books have been running for like 40 years. People are too intimidated to jump in to these books and so we'll start a new universe where we reset everything to the the beginning all of these stories are new you don't have to catch up on decades of continuity if you want to read and enjoy them that was the idea behind the ultimate line at the same time the sam raimi trilogy of spider-man films was over and there was a lot of discussion around what is the next you know, uh, what ended up being like the Amazing Spider-Man duology. What is that going to be like? Um, Who is going to play Peter Parker in those films? Mm. Um, The Ultimate Line had already been running by for several years at this point. And Donald Glover, like, said in some interviews or whatever, that he would love to play Spider-Man. He's a big fan of the character, and he would love to be Peter Parker. (laughs) Funny how that turned out. 
Yeah. And obviously there was like some backlash about like, well, but Peter Parker is a white guy or whatever. The person who was writing Ultimate Spider-Man at the time basically said, well, why does Peter Parker have to be a white guy? It doesn't really matter if he's white or not. Like that's not part of the, that's not an immutable part of the character. And I think that there were already plans to kill the Ultimate Universe version of Peter. Like, I'm pretty sure that was already in the works. I'm not positive, but I think that was the case. And so Miles was essentially created as a like direct result of that Donald Glover. I wouldn't even really say controversy because this was like 16 years ago and things didn't get as heated then as they do now. It doesn't feel like, I mean, I don't know, maybe they did and I've just got rose colored glasses, but you know what I mean? But Miles was, was created as kind of a response to that. Right. And so very explicitly the point of Miles by the creator was to say it could be anybody under the mask. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of other legacy characters are kind of along those lines as well. And to that point, there are stories where the character's identity and all facets of it make them that character. So a character whose story is about like the struggles of being a woman in a certain period of time or a black woman in a certain period of time or a black man in the modern age or a Muslim person or a young person in New York City, right? Like, these are core parts of their identity that matter to the story. Mm -hmm. And when you swap that, that's when you get into trouble. Like, you are changing what makes the character impactful and them. But when you have a Peter Parker, it's really the, the, the young person in New York trying to do the best they can for their community, right? And... And I, I think like that's the identity, the gender, the color, yes. the religion, the sexuality doesn't really matter for a Spider-Man under the mask, right? Like, right. It kind of goes back to like we were saying earlier, or like I was saying earlier about having that realization that like, as a straight white guy, most media is made with my viewpoint, right? And when you look at characters like Kamala Khan, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, Miss Marvel, her being a young Muslim woman is extremely important to her as a character, right? Like in the comics, if people are only familiar with her from like the MCU TV show, yeah. Um, in the comics, her power set is a little bit different. And she can like shapeshift. And much like in the MCU, like she hero worships Carol Danvers, right? <laughs> and the way her powers manifest in her first couple of issues is <laughs> so, so in the comics, she's an inhuman, uh, which people might be broadly familiar with from the really terrible Inhumans TV show several years ago. Mm -hmm. Basically, I don't remember if this is the case in the MCU, but in the comics, when an human is exposed to Terrigen Mist or whatever, and it activates their inhuman gene, they like go into like a big cocoon. 
and then they like pop out of the cocoon with their powers, right? Um, okay. Yeah, common. In Inhumans are stupid, uh, but um, so she is exposed to hydrogen, cocoons up. She comes out of the cocoon looking like Carol Danvers, and that's like it's important. It's an important part of that character's arc, right? That like as a young brown woman who is of a faith that a lot of people have like bigoted views about and stuff like Mm -hmm. her like subconscious desire or whatever to like fit in causes her to like manifest this power in such a way that she looks like a conventionally attractive blonde white woman right yeah like the that comic is saying something pretty specific that doesn't work if you swap out that character's race and background. Absolutely. And and it's not just a made up feeling. Like that is someone I knew personally, uh a young black man, and he was just the nicest guy, super like intelligent. He like had it together. He was just such a great person. He referred to himself as an Oreo, which is black on the outside and white on the inside, because culturally and the way he wanted to present himself was as a white person because of how society treats black men, right? I mean, that is a real person and a real experience that he had, and it's not just like a comic book storyline. Like, there's a reason these are represented in comic books. People feel that way. Right. And it's shitty. And the concept of a of a black man feeling at odds because he wants to portray himself as an intelligent, sophisticated person, like those two things are not at odds. Right. Anyway, comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like you said, like nothing about Peter Parker hinges on him being a white dude. Like, because that's the default lens of a bunch of media. Like, there's no... Peter Parker's not facing any extra problems because he's white and male. That doesn't <laughs> happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's not it's not an intrinsic part of his personality, except in as much as he hasn't had to deal with a bunch of the shit that people who don't fall into those categories have had to deal with. Right, I- well said. Yeah. It's like when people were mad that Idris Elba got cast as Heimdall in the Thor movies. Because they were, that's from like a Norse mythology and they were all white. Like, who the fuck cares? I Heimdall in Norse mythology has like two character traits and it's like stands at bridge and sees stuff. Like, <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter what he looks like at all. That's, yeah. I, um... There's a topic there that I'm not going to touch on right now, but we should come back to that at some point. Um, but yes, I think he, I think he was great. I didn't know anything about Wait. Heimdall though, so <laughs> it's all good to it's me. Just, you know, people. I guess the the broader point I'm trying to make is that, f- like, race swapping a white character is generally not a problem because their race probably doesn't have anything to do with any of their important character arcs. Yeah. 
with like I guess a few very niche exceptions probably do exist. When you get into like minorities and having doing any like changing any aspect of a minority character is much more likely to be problematic because it's much more likely that their background informs their character in some way. Right. Right. That is exactly the point. And that's just something people need to be aware of when when broadly we are saying, well, yeah, it's okay to have a black Spider-Man. And there's there's reasons why we believe that. Right. And it's also just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm only harping on this particular point, I think, because I have seen people, you know, argue in favor of like race swapping characters to be white characters or something in that in that same dumb way from like nine or ten year old me being like well why is there a BET but not a WET or whatever <laughs> I was like if it's okay for one so I to do it why can't the other or whatever and it's just like it's a stupid fucking argument like look at one of my very favorite DC comics characters is a Green Lantern named Jessica Cruz and it's just a character that I really like deeply connect with. You know, the whole thing with the Green Lanterns is that they like overcome fear or whatever. Like that's the whole point of the Green Ring. And she's a character who is defined mostly by her mental illness, like her anxiety disorder. Like she was agoraphobic uh, and hadn't left her house in years and stuff when she got her ring. And um, I just really, really like her as a character, the arc that she goes through, and like, arguably, on at least in terms of the stories with her that I've read and like discussions that she's had on panel, there's nothing specifically about her background as like a Latino woman that informs her primary character arc right because her that character arc is mostly about her overcoming her like severe anxiety and stuff like that and it's it's not related to her like racial background or anything right but you like it would still be shitty to cast a non-latina actress as that character because how many other badass latina superheroes are there like not very many (laughs) So why would you take away that representation? It's just it would just be shitty for no reason. We are we are still playing catch up in in you know the the movie and TV industry of having roles, good roles, like well-written good roles for minorities. And yeah, I, I totally agree. Like maybe that aspect of her character isn't what's important and makes her her but we need more of those roles to stay intact for the actors and actresses who are looking for that work and who want to authentically represent you know someone who who shares in their like cultural background right 100% people who look like me and can watch tv or read a comic or whatever and see people on the page who look like them all the fucking time <laughs> don't understand how important it is for other people to be able to have that same experience 
like I I worked at a library for a few years and I can tell you firsthand when we got comics that had Black Panther or Shuri or Miles or you know whatever uh I lived in a I lived in a town that had a very large population of immigrants from various African countries and from Mexico um, and Colombia. And those comics went out the door so fucking fast <laughs> at that library. And they stayed out for so long because those kids didn't have anything like that before that. Right. Like not that they could, you know, grab off the shelf at the library or whatever, like easily um, at the very least. And it like, it made a difference. You know, like people don't understand, I think, that that is important, but it is important. It really is. And it's a lack of empathy when people who have all the representation can't think outside of themselves for a moment and realize this isn't just woke pandering to have an equally important black character alongside the white lead. It's reality. People like that exist. <laughs> like, they just do. Right. And you can't ignore them forever. <laughs> like, right. And, and they are entitled to consume interesting media and see themselves yeah. in it. <laughs> like, That's another thing that I think people just don't fucking understand anymore. Not everything is for you. Yeah. Like, they're... There can be media for other people, and it's not pandering or whatever. It's just not everything is fucking targeted at you. If you don't like something, maybe it's just not for you. That doesn't make it bad. Yeah, uh, well said. I am going to pose a question. So having discussed everything we have about Spider-Man 2 being woke, I want to know, is Spider-Man 2 woke? Hmm. I think, I think I'm gonna lean yes, but I'm not. I'm far from an expert on the topic. <laughs> I um, I tend not to like the phrase "yes, but no." In this case, I would say yes and no. Yeah, it is. It is. It is not woke because the word "woke" as the way it gets used is a meaningless <laughs> assertion that just really holds no power. Right. But I think it is woke in the original spirit of the the phrase. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know. People, people are weird. <laughs> yeah, people are weird and terrible, um, and they'll call anything woke. Basically, I mean, people accuse Screams Five and Six of being woke, and those are just pretty box standard slasher movies. You got your screen reference in. Very good. I do want to mention this this one last thing. 
Fran was watching the video game awards and there was a live chat that went with it. And when Spider-Man 2 came up, which it didn't win anything, <laughs> but when it came up, the comment live chat was woke, 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 just <laughs> like, oh, rabid little monsters. <laughs> like, uh, that's just brain dead. So in conclusion, um, people are bad. <laughs> no. People are bad and we shouldn't pay attention to their opinions. Well, yeah. 